2: Good Sunday afternoon, everybody. My name is Clayton Bailey. Welcome into Packers Total Access. Um, You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Packers underscore access. And on today's show for the history segment, we're actually going to cover the city of Green Bay, the surrounding area of Green Bay, the community, if you will. You know, every time that the Green Bay Packers are mentioned, um, more times than not, I should say. Uh, what's always mentioned is how such a small community, a small town, how in the world could it survive in a huge business um, like the National Football League? You know, how can they compete with huge markets like the New York Giants? How can um, how can they exist? It's just something that you know over the course of a hundred years, how has there not been another small market team? I mean, outside of the Buffalo Bills, which even with them, they've got a a large crowd there in the surrounding area. You know, Green Bay just kinda sits up north there to themselves, but um, the answer is typically, it's the community. There's something about the Green Bay area that's just special, and it has been since since the founding of Green Bay. And and we're gonna go all the way back there, guys. We're gonna start back to the very first settlers of the Green Bay area. These are things that you probably probably didn't know um, I know I didn't know until I started to research exactly who helped found uh, the Green Bay area and um, and kind of how did everything unfold from a sense of, uh, you know, an establishment, a city kind of developing over the years. So we're going to cover that, which is going to be a blast. And then also... We're going to have Jacob from Packernet Podcast on with us, and we're going to do a complete breakdown of the schedule. We're going to go through and give our picks. Just, you know, it's very early. We all know there's other free agent signings that could occur, right? There's trades that could occur, although they're a little bit rare this time of year in my opinion. And then, you know, you could have injuries occur and things change. As the rosters sit right now, we're going to go through and look at the Packers uh, schedule, and we're going to break down wins and losses. So you come away today – Uh, with a little bit better understanding of what we're up against as far as competition and uh, really what are some of those key matchups that everybody's looking forward to and um, And just come away a little bit more educated on the schedule. I know a lot of people have covered it I haven't heard many people give picks though I haven't heard many people look at it and, and kind of break down wins and losses. We had an awesome stream the other night on uh, on Ryan's uh, YouTube channel. If you guys aren't subscribed to that, make sure you look him up on Twitter and get the uh, the handle for his YouTube channel because we've been going live a lot on Friday and Saturday nights and and we attempted to break down the schedule. Although when you get you know five or six guys together that are um, you know that are friends and uh, and love to be goofy and cut up, it, it tends to get out of hand there a little bit. I mean, it, it turned into a circus by the end of the show, which I'm all for. It was a blast. It was an absolute blast and. And I know we broadcast it during the Bucks game, so there was limited viewers in that sense. But it was funny seeing people pop in and out, and then on Twitter, you know, everybody responded to the to the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks lost that night, but uh, nonetheless, um, make sure you check out that stream; it's still up. But we kind of broke down the schedule; we just didn't go really, really in depth with every game. Jacob and I are going to do that. So, with that being said, let's just uh, let's jump right into it. All right. So this history segment, guys, again, we're going to cover the city of Green Bay, the founding of Green Bay, and how it's morphed over the years as far as backing the Green Bay Packers, okay? And uh, really it goes back to an old newspaper um, article that, that wrote of the first football team in Green Bay was actually in 1895. It said, quote, the fans would follow the team passionately until the snow flies. So all the way back to the late 1800s the Green Bay community had a football team, right? A town team, if you will. But the founding of Green Bay goes back much further. So I had to do some digging in the history books and found out that Samuel D. Champlain, the founder of New France, commissioned Jean-Nicolet to form a peaceful alliance with the Native Americans in the Western areas, okay, whose unrest had interfered with the French fur trade and to search for a shorter trade route to China through Canada. So that's kind of how settlers moved into the areas. It said the late 1700s, the French settled in the area of Green Bay with the local Native Americans. It wasn't until the 1840s that the Germans, the Irish, the Dutch, they all came into the area and then the Belgians arrived a short time later. And as you may already know, Curly Land family were french-speaking belgians okay so they had that belgium uh culture that they brought in with them they were known as uh hard workers with you know uh bread from hardy stock just kind of athletic people that type of uh that type of dna if you will but um the city of green bay Is actually divided by the Fox River and I mentioned this on a previous episode just kind of laying out the land a little bit Um, but you know the Fox River was kind of used at that time as a highway it was a it was for cargo and transportation and um, into the east side and the west side you know they were they were divided by this river okay and uh, it's funny because there was kind of a rivalry from the start Um, between east and west whether it's athletics or business or what have you but you know it said that if you married someone from the other side it was almost considered a breach of etiquette right because it was just almost like this there was a little bit of animosity amongst western Uh, You know, people on the west side of Green Bay, people on the east side of Green Bay. And at the time, the entire area wasn't even known as Green Bay. But they said that the upper class actually lived on the east side while the working class lived on the west side. I'm sure if, if, you know, if you're familiar with the town that you live in, if you've been there for some time, you know, I know where I'm at. That's definitely kind of how it's looked at. You've got the business district downtown, right? When I say downtown, it's not a very big town. But then out here where we live is back in the country, and this is it's yeah I mean it's hilarious. You go into a McDonald's downtown, you're hearing pop music. You go into the McDonald's out here where we're at, you're hearing country music. It's just almost like a little different culture, right? So Green Bay was uh, was no you know no no different in that regard. But there were two high schools, East Green Bay High and West Green Bay High, and it was a very heated rivalry when it came to athletics. So much so that there was actually spotters placed outside of the practice fields, and any. Strangers that were trying to sneak in and watch practice were asked to leave. Now, that very rivalry was kept up to date and alive by the Green Bay Press-Gazette. If you guys remember, I kind of touched on the Green Bay Press-Gazette a little bit in an earlier episode. They have a lot to do with the history of the Green Bay community, right? They were actually founded in 1866 as a weekly newspaper, but then became a daily newspaper in 1871, You know, Green Bay team historian Cliff Crystal said it best uh, that, quote, there is no question that the heated rivalry of East High and West High is what created the town's love for football. So you're probably asking, why are you mentioning that? That's why. The reason that football took in this town, the foundation was laid, because of these two high schools and the rivalry that was created. You know, the fact that they had a town team all the way back to 1895, right? And then you step into this high school, Um, you know high school rivalry and the green bay press gazette kind of helped fuel that right and and that's that's why the town developed such a love for football was those two high schools Uh, curly lambo actually played for east high school and uh, and gave east their first victory over west in eight years so he becomes somewhat of an icon here locally the fact that the West High had beaten East High eight straight years. And then Curly Lambeau steps in. He starts all four years, uh, you know, from a freshman to a senior. He steps in and gives gives East High their very first victory over West in eight years. And, of course, it was uh, it was editor George Calhoun of the Green Bay Press-Gazette who met with Curly Lambeau uh, on a possible street corner or a bar? No one really knows. This was right after Curly had returned home from Notre Dame because of an illness. Okay, so he enrolled at Notre Dame, came down with uh, what they what they talked about might have been tonsillitis or strep throat, or maybe both, and uh, had to come back home because he was so sick. Well, when he returned back home, he meets with George Calhoun, and George Calhoun's the one who pitched it to him. Hey, you know, he pitched the idea to Curly about about starting a team. And then three days later in the Green Bay Press-Gazette building, again, the Green Bay Press-Gazette coming into play here for the history of the Packers in the town, um, that the foundation was laid there uh, in their building um, for the team, you know, forming known as the Packers. Now, on Valentine's Day, let's fast forward because we don't want to talk too much about football in this episode. I want you to understand kind of the town, the community, right? On Valentine's Day, 1930, the Fox Theater actually opened its doors and showed on the big screen highlights from the Packers' fall victory over the New York Giants en route to their first NFL championship. Um, so imagine they win their first NFL championship in 1929. It was in February of 1930. They had put a, mo- a motion picture um, you know, together for people to watch at the Fox Theater of the highlights of that game, right? Over 5,000 people stood outside in the cold in line so they could get in and view those highlights. That's how much they love this team, they love football. Now, as the country moved into the prohibition years, this is where it gets really colorful. Um, as the country moved, moved into the prohibition years, Green Bay pretty much ignored it, right? If you guys have ever been to Green Bay, I'm telling you right now, one thing that you will not have a hard time finding is a watering hole. There's there's so many bars, there's so many restaurants that serve so many types of beer. Um, It's just something that's not it's not frowned upon there. You know, some places down here in the South, especially in the Bible Belt, you see somebody drinking a beer in a restaurant, uh, especially on a Sunday. People will kind of look at you with a side eye, like, what's you know, why are you drinking, right? Like it's it's something evil. It amazes me how people work that up in their mind. Don't get me wrong. I know there are some people that cannot hand, handle alcohol. I know there are some people that face addictions. I'm not downplaying that at all. I have many people in my family that have dealt with that. Um, you know, it's it's just something that's that's been kind of common. I come from a family of moonshiners, in case you guys didn't know. My great-grandfather, his family um, ran moonshine over in Perry County, Kentucky, to the point where none of the men in my life before, uh, you know, I say men in my life. I never met these people, but... None of the men in my family lived beyond the age of 50 because of uh you know just the the brutalness of the moonshining business. You know, we uh this couple of years ago I actually found the grave of my great-great uh my great grandfather. Uh was able to do a little bit of research and find it. He was shot and killed over moonshine, right? Over whiskey. Um his he he actually did prison time for killing his uncle over their moonshining business. It's just something that it, you know, again, I don't know how you look at alcohol and its consumption and things like that. Um, it can be good and it can be bad. In, in my case, with my family history, it was very, very bad. Luckily, um, that's there's you know we're we're stomping that out right now. There's no more addiction in my family, which is really cool. But as the country moved into the prohibition years in Green Bay, um, you know Green Bay pretty much ignored it. Like I said, there was a number of alcohol stills set up right in the community. Okay. In a little bitty house, it said there was 15,000 gallons of mash, all right? They were producing and selling over 1,000 gallons of alcohol per day. Think about that. 1,000 gallons of alcohol per day coming out of this small house in Green Bay, yet no one seen anyone coming and going. The, the community kept it quiet, right? It said that uh, now at the time that the the only form of communication they had, uh, was word of mouth and telephone. Okay. The way the the telephone worked at that time, if you guys have seen, I I know the old Andy Griffith shows, it shows it right. The way the telephone worked at the time, um, there was actually a switchboard with telephone operators connecting the calls. So when the feds would actually call from Milwaukee to notify the local police that there was going to be a raid in green Bay by the time they got there, everything was gone the entire still, everything was broken down. So what you have was this line of communication when the feds would would get, you know, uh, connected in up there to the local police in Green Bay, say, hey, look, um, there's a raid that's going down at, at this address at this time. The operators, most likely, would help share that information, okay, with the locals, and they would team up, go in, break down the still, get the alcohol out, and when the feds showed up, nothing was there. Right. Johnny Blood, if you guys remember, we did a story on him. Johnny Blood actually told a story of how he fell in love with the city of Green Bay shortly after he got there um, because there was a pro- uh, a story of a prohibition raid. He said as soon as he got there, they had raided a house uh, in a prohibition raid. They arrested all the barkeepers, OK, but the federal pro- prohibition agent was the only person who ended up serving time. So all the all the bartenders got off scot free while the federal agent actually had to, uh, had to, had to serve time. So it just kind of shows you how the locals really embraced um, you know, alcohol even during the Prohibition years. And, and you know the mob at the time, guys, was very, very powerful. If you guys don't know about the Italian Mafia, the mob was very powerful all throughout the Midwest. But they could never get a foothold in Green Bay. And as a local historian said on a documentary, it's because Green Bay didn't need anyone to provide illegal liquor. Because it was already there. So the mob never really got that involved in in the city of Green Bay. They just passed through and said, wow, these people got it licked already. They got their own steals. They're safe from the feds. Let's keep it moving, guys. Let's go on to the next town. It's pretty cool. It said that opposing fans loved coming to Green Bay because their speakeasies were everywhere and they were top notch. The most famous was uh, was a place called the Silver Slipper. If you get a chance, you can Google a little bit of history on the Silver Slipper. Um, a lot of lot of different activities going on in that establishment. We won't get too deep into that, but it's just funny the name, the Silver Slipper, and how how things. Uh, I don't know, man. Just. People spent a lot more time in, in giving names to businesses back then. They took a lot more pride in, in certain aspects of, of creating something on their own. Whether it was illegal or not or invo- involved prostitution and all that crazy stuff, um, it's just it's still it's still a cool story. Um, a small town where it was normal to, to run into the players, and they were treated like normal citizens, and the players were very relatable. That was another reason why. It's just like when, when, when players would – Sign with the Packers and come into play for Green Bay, right? It was normal for people to run into them on the street corner, and nobody treated them like they were these big celebrities or like, oh, they're spoiled because at the time, let's be honest, they weren't, right? They weren't making much money at all. Um, but they were also very, very relatable uh, to the citizens themselves. You know, another cool story is George Calhoun, as you guys know, co founder of the Packers, um, worked for the editor for the Green Bay Press Gazette. Um, It was said that George Calhoun would actually entertain the visiting riders for the Packers opponents, and and it had kind of a barbershop type um, atmosphere. And when the Packers were on the road, Calhoun would invite the riders to his hotel where he would have a bathtub full of ice and bottles of beer. And these reporters would just come by and kind of shoot the breeze and he would teach them about the Packers and they would help write articles on each other's teams. But, you know, yes, that happened on away trips, but they said when other teams came to town, George Calhoun did the same thing in Green Bay. He would just kind of host all of the the away riders. And of course, at the time, that was the form of communication. That was the way that people kept up with athletics and news and all that stuff. Just pretty cool, man. You could kind of get the feel. And that was the whole point of this history segment is get the feel of the city of Green Bay and how it how it came to be that this team you know, landed here and they stuck and they've survived all these years, right? It said when teams would visit, they would actually stay at the Northland Hotel, which still operates today. You guys heard me mention that in a previous episode. The Northland Hotel is still in business they say it is absolutely amazing Um, our goal is when we go up in december to watch the la rams play at lambeau on monday night football one of the nights that we're going to stay there we're definitely going to stay at the uh, the northland because i want to experience that just knowing that that's where players stayed uh, back in the old days you know when the packers played on the east side of green bay but it says that uh, fans became so loyal to the team and their success so much so that on one occasion this is a really colorful story On one occasion, September 20th, 1936, in front of a crowd of 14,000 fans at City Stadium in Green Bay, they were playing the Bears, okay? There was an absolute Packer fanatic. His name was Emmett Platten, okay? Emmett Platten was just kind of like this super fan. He was, you know, all of us know 20 fans like this, right? People that that drink too much, get too loud, and get way too aggressive at football games. Well, Emmett Platten, uh, who attended every game? It said he hated the opposing teams, hated them. And uh, that day against the Bears um, was uh, there was a tackle for the Bears. His name was Ted Rosequist. Okay, um, that was continuously lining up offsides, and the refs just kind of refused to call it. So all these fans are getting getting anxious, getting getting angry, right? Like why why are they not calling offsides on this guy? Emmett Platten had had enough. They said he leaped over the rail, ran onto the field, punched the Chicago Bear player out cold. They had to have the guy taken off on a stretcher. He knocked him out. All right. They had to take the player out of the game. Um, it said that Emmett Platten wasn't arrested because you know, at that time, things were a little different. You could have a you could have a nice little fist fight on the on the corner of the street, settle your differences, and go on about your day, and no one would get arrested for the most part, right? It was just a different time, which is a story in itself. But uh, it said that uh, the next day he wrote a letter to the Green Bay Press Gazette defending himself because obviously there were some Packer fans that were outraged. Um, he he wrote this letter into the the press gazette. Uh, defending himself, and it said, "Quote: As a Packers stockholder looking out for the interests of this corporation, I tried to approach the ref to remind him of his faithful promise to give unbiased decisions." <laughs> now, the Press Gazette put that in their in their newspaper, but then followed it with saying, "Mr. Platten would have a hard time convincing anyone that Mr. Rosequist threw the first punch." <laughs> So like again, just just such a colorful era and, and those type of stories and how passionate the fans were. again, it goes all the way back to that rivalry between East Green Bay High and West Green Bay High and the love of football being formed in the city of Green Bay. It's just a, it's an awesome thing. It said countless times the people of Green Bay would turn out in force in the middle of the night at the Green Bay train station. To welcome the Packers home from road trips and that's something that still happens today. This is one of the earliest stories of this tradition. It was actually uh, after the Packers won the championship down in Milwaukee. Um, they returned back and and Curly was surprised because I won't go too deep into the story but essentially what it was was Curley chose to play the championship game in Milwaukee as opposed to Green Bay because City Stadium was just such a dump. It didn't hold a, a lot of people. The facility wasn't up to date, and he knew he could get better ticket sales in Milwaukee. Well, it really ticked the local Green Bay fans off. But even though they were sore about that, they were still at the train station to greet Curley and his Packers when they came back from winning that championship that year. You know, just the fact that the small market team that the Green Bay, you know, Green Bay Packers was, was able to navigate through the Great Depression and World War II and all those things. You know, another gathering place in the 1940s was a place called the Astor Hotel. They said it was the third, uh, it was a sister hotel of the three big hotels locally. But they were very, very welcoming of all the rookie players because uh, most of the rookie players, when they would sign their contract with the Packers, they would actually sit, uh, stay at the Astra Hotel. And there was a, a lady that, that's a legend uh, you know, in, in Green Bay uh, you know Packer's uh, folklore, I guess you could say. Her name was Sue Wallen, and she worked the front desk for the Astro Hotel. They said she was like this surrogate mother to the players. She took care of the players, she made sure they had clean shirts, and she made sure that the players were writing home to their mothers. And it said more times, you know, more than one time, uh, she also had to let the mothers know if the players were out of line and uh, and kind of inform their parents on their behavior. So she, uh, another another cool story that kind of goes along with the community there in Green Bay around the team. Um, when the All-American Football Conference emerged, it really hit the NFL hard. It probably hit the Packers the hardest. Um, if you guys know about that, it became a bidding war on players. The Packers lost a couple of their number one draft uh, draft players to that conference one year, and it became a big, big deal that, look, these guys are taking talent from the National Football League. So a local prominent Green Bay figure named Jerry Atkinson's, Atkinson was approached by Curley and board members. They asked Atkinson, If he would spearhead a fundraising effort as always curly did the talking okay so he goes in he asks this local business guy this is right around i believe it was 19 i I don't want to screw up the date exactly but they go in they needed to raise fifty thousand dollars which at that time was a ton of money they said that close to 100 packer backers gathered at the hotel northland for breakfast they devised a plan to host an inter-squad game on thanksgiving day kind of an all-star game of the the who of whos right when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, and they said that there were uh, there were actually players from four different decades that showed up to be honored. So it was it was almost like this circus atmosphere. Guys, the temperature was 15 degrees. There was a snowy field, and over 15,000 fans showed up. To support the team to watch a little bit of football see some of the old legends and it was almost like this this family reunion if you will to raise money and save the team the money was raised and the team was saved and I think it's worth mentioning that was just one of many times that the community came together to to keep this football team intact in the city of Green Bay we would not be sitting here talking about it you know there was multiple stock sales in 1923 1935 1950, 1997, 2011, and of course this past year in 2021, um, These every time we get in a position where the board of directors says, hey, you know what? This is what we need for the team. All right, let's devise a stock sale. And the team fans come together and help foot that bill." And it cracks me up how people like Mike Florio and all these Packer haters say it's a biggest scam going. They, they they say it's stock. It pays no dividends. If you think a fan is buying that stock excepting, expecting some kind of return, you're a moron. Okay, What this stock sell is, is rather than... Let's take Florio's favorite team as the Minnesota Vikings, right? You know what they do when they need a new stadium you know what they do when they need funds they go to the taxpayers and they don't ask them hey make a donation you know what they do they force them with a tax increase to pay for the stadium but in Green Bay what do we do we say look if you're not interested in that that's fine let's do a stock sale if you guys would like to donate throw some money into the pot it's really, guys, it's the tradition of the passing of the hat. And they give you an awesome piece of memorabilia, which I have hanging right behind me here in the studio. And it's it's my, of all the autographed footballs, of all the autographed pictures and hats and all this stuff that I've got, I've got been blessed with a great, great setup here and memorabilia that I've collected over the years. The things that mean the most to me are those stock certificates because that was a time that the team came to the fans and said, hey, this is what we want to do. Will you help us do it? And every single time, fans rise to the occasion and they help pay for these you know, these amenities, I guess you could say, for the team to make this thing go. Um, it's easy to look at the Packers and think they've got all that money in that investment account. They're good to go. Guys, you can go through that money in a blink. If you guys haven't seen the stock market lately, that's it, there's no guarantee when it comes to investing. That's why it's important for the fans to be willing to to support the team when the time comes. And uh, I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast right now that donated because that's what it is. To me, it's not buying shares in the Packers. It's a donation that receives a really cool piece of memorabilia. And that's what Packer fans see it as. And on the outside with these morons – they try to make it seem like we've been tricked into buying a stock that pays no dividends and we're being scammed. It's hilarious to me. So the next time you hear a fan go, oh, you got scammed. That ain't a real stock. Say, you got scammed paying your taxes too, didn't you? Because you paid for that ugly dome up there in Minnesota. And as a tour guide once told me on a, on a tour of Lambeau Field, they said, you know why they built a dome in Minnesota, right? I'm like, no, why? I was like, because not even God can stand to watch them play. That's a fact. So, that's your history segment. I thought it would be really, really cool to just kind of look at the Green Bay community in one episode, give you an idea of some of the stories that, that you know, all the way from the French settling there in the early days. And then I love that there were so many different cultures that came in, and it really explains the atmosphere up there. Because when you go up there, guys, and you're, you're sitting at a sports bar, You meet people from all different walks of life, all different races, all different walks of life. You can tell they're different financial backgrounds. Some people are a little bit better off than others. Um, You can tell that, uh, you know, it's people that, that just love the Packers and they all come together in this melting pot. And when they're together, everybody's equal because we're all passionate about, you know, following, rooting for, and supporting our favorite team in the Green Bay Packers. So, again, hope you enjoyed that history segment. Now we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get right into the schedule breakdown.
1: We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash pack Wow. That's crazy offer 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash pack for 10% off your first purchase.
2: all right joining us now from packernet podcast is our buddy jacob how you doing today jacob
0: i'm doing good clayton how you doing
2: doing good man i'm ready to dive into the schedule we attempted to do it on the live stream the other night but man
0: real quick didn't it didn't quite work
2: (laughs) that's what happens when you get a bunch of dudes together cutting up having fun on a friday night but let's just jump right into it man week one at minnesota 425 kickoff it's going to be on fox the point spread as of right now, the Packers are one point, one and a half point favorites over the Minnesota Vikings on the road. How do you see that game?
0: Yeah, I'm nervous. It's you know, opening, opening day. Everybody's always jacked up. The Vikings, I said it last uh, what was it, Friday night we did it? They're always jacked up and they always play very, very well in certain pockets. And I think that the beginning of the year. You know, going against Green Bay, having Zadarius, having Shandon, having all these new draft picks that are probably going to play, like, you know, they're seeing Booth, Asamoa, Naylor may even play. Um, I think they're going to come out extremely jacked up. The Packers might be a little timid, and, and I don't want them. I don't want this to happen. I'm not saying it's going to, going to definitely happen, but I see them unfortunately taking a loss in the first game.
2: Yeah, this was the one game that I had trouble just using my uh, my chart. Uh, you know, I kind of chart games when I when I bet on games, and and the thing that you can't take into into consideration when trying to chart and look at analytics. Is there something about those division rivals especially on the road and like you said minnesota man they always i don't know i've got this as a loss as well and uh, guys hang with us it's going to get better i probably <laughs> you're probably already right, i'm cutting this off are they what are they going to have them go you know, i just three wins
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like we might have some tackle trouble who knows if jenkins if Bakhtiari, if they're ready to go even if they are you know we might have a little bit shuffling on that offensive line to figure out who our starting five are so and they've got those edge guys that are ready to. I mean, Zayarius, this is like his Super Bowl. I, I swear, it is. This dude is so weirdly butt hurt about leaving the Packers. <laughs> I swear, he's just he wanted to go to Minnesota.
2: But. Yeah, absolutely, I, I completely agree. But Week Two, it's going to be uh, September eighteenth. It's a Sunday Night Football, eight twenty kickoff on NBC. When you look at the point spread, the Packers are. You're going to love this. Eight and a half point favorites over. I the- saw that.
0: How do you see this? <laughs> Yeah, that was just that just made me feel real great when I saw that spread. Um, you know, it's the Bears. It's <laughs> it's the Bears, and and we were talking about how you know their best like off season signing is what Equanimius or Equamanius, as they say, apparently on <laughs> Bears Twitter. I mean, come on, man. I, I don't know. Just they released Nick Foles. That was their best quarterback. Their first two draft picks were cornerback and safety. So, and then their best wide receiver that they drafted was a special teams return guy. That's like five ten or something. So, good yeah. luck, Bears. I got that as a win.
2: Absolutely, same here, man. I've got it as a win. I think it's going to be a boat race on the week three, four twenty five kickoff on Fox um that's gonna be at tampa bay and the point spread as of right now has the tampa bay buccaneers as three and a half point favorites how do you see that game
0: i don't know what to think but you know just the fact that we don't do well in the heat in the south and florida tom brady um unfortunately i think i have it as a loss in my opinion but who knows i mean we Tampa Bay is is far removed from the team that they once were. And I got to make a quick note here. Luke Gedecky, they drafted in the second round, which was ahead of Raymond, which if we, if you guys remember, we talked about on the podcast how I said that Gedecki could be a sneaky. I didn't think he'd go in the second by far, but right. he went in the second, like 15 or 20 picks before Raymond. So that was pretty cool. But that being said, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I still see this. As a loss i'm being super super generous with my losses in this so you guys know like this is my uh i have a worst case scenario situation a best case scenario and a most likely this falls in my most likely and we have a loss unfortunately to the to the bucks but
2: yeah i agree uh i think it's going to be a loss however i will say that when i look at my five parameters here home field advantage head coach quarterback edge and line um it's really really close it really is if this game was played at lambeau i would yeah pick totally picking the packers but i've got it as a loss as well so on to week number four october 2nd 425 kickoff on cbs this is the new england Patriots come to town to lambeau as of right now the packers are five point favorites how do you see that one
0: yeah i mean that's an interesting game i mean the patriots are not the patriots of old obviously but when i was looking through there i did not realize that they had the third overall like pff overall grade they had the second ranked offense and the third ranked defense. Um, they're just a good coach team. Like you said, I hate Belichick. Can't stand the Patriots of the old, but them coming new uh, Lambeau with a, a team that I just don't see that they did not really help themselves in the draft. I don't know what they, what they were doing. People may disagree with that, but uh, they did side Tom Montgomery, so they might win, but I have them, unfortunately, uh, if you're a Patriots fan losing to us at home.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I've got that as a win for the Packers. Um, really, the uh, the only thing that that slides in their favor is head coach and the right. offensive line. I kind of feel like they have an edge in the offensive line if indeed uh, Elton Jenkins still isn't back. So uh, that's a that's a win for the Packers. On to week number five, October 9th. Uh, we got the New York Giants. This is over in England, right? It's going to be a 9.30 a.m. kickoff. And uh, yeah, if we look at the point spread there, let's see how ugly that is. The Packers are 32 and a half point favorite. Now, I'm just kidding
0: there. I was <laughs> gonna
2: say <what> the <laughs> six and a <laughs> half point favorite. How do you see that one?
0: Oh, man, I you know, I got mixed feelings about going overseas. In one aspect, like I i like the fact that we can, you know, I, I want to say I, I think the Packers are one of the biggest fan bases over there. Um, definitely, I know in Germany, I think they are, but um, you know the fact that it's like you said 9 30 your time 8 30 lambo time god's time uh so <laughs> <laughs> it is cool to wake up i mean i wake up super early usually but to just be ready, I, I always wake up and i'm so nervous for like five hours before that noon game i hate three o'clock games i hate the night games because i just nerves build up that fast so for it to be played at 8 30 my time like i said but i mean that just seems awesome it's weird that they did not give us a buy after that game so yeah. you know i'm a little bit sour on that but it'll be interesting it'll be cool to see the uk people get a little dose of the packers i see us winning that game
2: absolutely i completely agree i think they're gonna win that game i know what you're saying with with your concern about uh you know going overseas like that anything can happen i do think there's going to be a ton of packer fans i think it's going to be great for those you know uh, packer fans overseas where they could come out and actually see the team live you can only imagine what the buzz is going to be like in that stadium? It is going to be awesome. Now you did mention that you're kind of a little bit butt hurt that we didn't have <laughs> right after that game, but we actually do because in week six we have the New York Jets coming to town to Lambeau for a one o'clock kickoff on Fox. And as of right now, the Packers are seven and a half point favorites. So um, how do you see that one? Is there any way that the Jets can somehow pull out a win against Packers there?
0: No, <laughs> but <laughs> the only way that I say that, I mean, I, I should say that with a caveat, because I think the Jets had one of the best drafts, you know, and, and I think that all three of their first picks are going to probably be starters,
1: uh,
0: maybe a few other ones. So I don't know, they could have some weird like rags to riches story thing, but I, I don't see it happening. I mean, I just, I don't, I got that as an easy one gotcha
2: good so yeah I, I, same thing here man i think they both race the jets part of me it, it, it kind of thinks okay is this the year that salah's team you know takes that next step and obviously he will be entitled the 49ers 49 Sala's so overrated dude just... yeah it, it seems like that man it really does because i i find myself constantly going back to that well that, that's the 49ers of the northeast no they're not <laughs> no they're not he does oh. perform well at all as a head coach. So I've got that as a win for the Packers as well. And then in week seven, October 23rd at the Washington Commanders, um, that's a one o'clock kickoff on Fox. Again, those, those kickoff time guys are, are, my time here at Eastern standard time. So obviously just, just take away an hour there. You already know that, but the uh, Packers on the road are three point favorites on the road. How do you see that one Jake?
0: Yeah. Washington is an interesting situation there. Um, Just nothing about them seems real from their name to their roster to, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it seems like they just cut and paste every year and they just throw it all together and see what happens and they just crumble. I mean, I'd feel better if they had Ryan Fitzpatrick again. I'm pretty sure he started for them at one point, but as he started for every team in the world, but uh, I, I, I think that's an easy win. I just, yeah, I don't see any trouble with that.
2: Yeah, that's an organization that's kind of in shambles. It's
0: just in shambles. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I'm, I'm trying to find, like, okay, how, what what do they do better than the Packers? And the only thing that really – I mean, home field advantage, obviously. I don't know how much home field advantage you got when there's poop pouring out of the pots.
0: <laughs> Something.
2: Yeah. yeah, you ever get they a have- chance to Google that, that's that's a funny video. But uh, then also, you know, I was kind of thinking the edge, you know, because they've got uh, – who's the guy that they drafted last year? I can never think of his name at Ohio State. It's a beast um
0: oh uh yeah the guy that went real quiet. chase, chase young Chase right? Young. yeah Yeah. Chase young. so i was
2: kind of thinking of that and then i was like ah you know what the overall though between preston and gary uh yeah we've got the edge we're winning that game so i've got that oh, yeah. as, a dub as well now the next game though this one really worries me this is week eight this is uh october 30th sunday night football on nbc at the buffalo bills the good thing is it won't be extremely cold there yet So the weather should be, you know, okay, decent. Um, But again, that's on Sunday night football there. And the point spread for the Buffalo game has the Buffalo Bills as four-point favorites. How do you see that one?
0: Yeah, Buffalo, I mean, they're just a solid, solid team. Last year, they were third uh, in points scored. They were first in points allowed. And and when you look at what they've done in the offseason, they didn't hurt their team at all. If anything, they probably, helped themselves with the draft, with certain things they did in the off season. So I just, you know, Buffalo is probably, if I had to pick, I, I'm not one of those, like I have a second favorite team guys, but I respect the Buffalo Bills just because they're a similar organization. Tailgate, I actually played high school football, started a game a, a, a game with a guy named Craig Urbeck who ended up getting I don't think he got drafted by the bills. He got drafted by the Steelers and then played for the bills for a number of years. So I got a little bit of a close tie to the bills. So, I mean, it sucks to have to admit that I think we may lose to them in week eight. And, uh, that's in my, even in my best case scenario, um, kind of mock, uh, season, I have us losing to them as well. So it's just, that's my one where I'm like, I just don't see us rolling in there and and coming out with a win, but I hope I'm wrong.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, again, when I make these picks, guys, I'm not trying to do it from a fandom standpoint. I'm not doing it trying to be cynical. I'm looking at it like this is how I always get an honest evaluation from me personally. And and I, I love doing this to fans too, because when they're so, so passionate, so confident, oh, we're a better team. Okay. So you you have to bet the farm. You have to bet your home on this game, one way or the other. There's so there's no I'm not betting anything. You have to bet it one way or another. Which which way are you going? It's funny, right. our opinion changes. But with that being said, um, I think that you know obviously Buffalo has a home field advantage. I think we've got the better head coach, the sl- the better quarterback, but not by much. Josh Allen's a freaking superstar, in my. He's opinion. a beast. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, there's there's been it's surprising how many people have disagreed with me on that here lately. But uh, I see us having the head coach and the quarterback edge, but everything else, I kind of feel like it tilts in Buffalo's favor. So I'm going with the loss there as well. And then coming up the next week. We go to uh, go to Detroit and man, I, I don't know about you, Jacob, but when we hit these divisional games, it's like, wow, we play in a weak division. It's, it feels like just gifts, but it's a Sunday, November the 6th at Detroit's Fox, uh, a Fox kickoff at one o'clock and the point spread as of right now at Detroit, we are five point favorites on the road. Uh, way anyway, Detroit pulls that off or is that, is that a dub for the Packers?
0: Man, I mean, I, I want to push back just a tiny bit, and just say that and it's probably because I, I used to roommate uh live with a bunch of dudes that were from Detroit and they were just constantly feed me Detroit propaganda. So I I think that they love this coach and I think that they I mean you saw it last year, like they played every game and they sucked every game, but they still played every game, and I think they had a great offseason, they added some great draft picks, Aiden Hutchinson, Jameson Williams, Josh Pascal, Kirby Joseph. I mean, all those dudes probably slip into starting roles right away. And I, I don't know. I, I see them. I, I The Packers are going to drop one to a, a, a team that you think like that'll never happen because they do it every year. You know what I mean? And so I could possibly see it happening. I don't think it's going to happen in week nine. I got them winning that but I just the Lions have played us hard for the last five years almost almost every game has been closer than it should be minus a few but I, I have us winning in week nine but i am a little bit weary that the lions may be on the up and coming so
2: gotcha. you know i understand i have it as a win as well and you know a five point favorite ain't that's not a huge line in my opinion you know so uh there's some there's probably a little bit of something there as well so i have that being a uh a win for the packers though on the road all right so now we've got week 10 um, this is the Dallas Cowboys coming to Lambeau Field. That's November 13th, 4.30 kickoff on Fox. Um, Jacob, they have the Dallas Cowboy game going, uh, looking pretty good for the Packers. The Packers are four and a half point favorites. You know, typically you get that three point favorite for the home team. The fact that it's at four and a half, that makes me feel a little bit better. But how do you see that that Dallas Cowboy game with Mike McCarthy returning to Lambeau Field?
0: The return of Mike McCarthy, it's, it's – uh, it's- It's definitely going to sell some tickets. I'll tell you that. But um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not afraid of the Cowboys, but I just feel like that for whatever reason, they're going to have that weird, it's going to be that Packer game that you watch. Remember like every single time, I don't know if I'm alone, but it seems like they highlight like the, the one stat or the one thing that can never happen or the, the Packers will do it. You know what i mean like they'll allow the one tiebreaker they'll allow the the stat to be broken they'll allow mike mccarthy to have his great return they'll allow it's just seems like they always allow that one thing like the headline and it's just i don't know for some reason i got a bad taste in my mouth about it it's a 325 game i just i feel like we're gonna lose i don't want us to lose but i don't know i grew up with a bunch of guys that were from Texas cousins always talking smack and I just remember in the 90s always getting beat up by the the, you know Aikman and Irvin (laughs) and Smith and I just will never forget I just I hate playing the Cowboys and for whatever reason I just don't feel great about that game so I have them unfortunately losing at home to the Cowboys
2: yeah I completely understand that standpoint however I do have it as a win if this was played in Dallas then I would be right on I
0: honestly would too that's what's weird yeah
2: yeah, if it, if if it were played in Dallas, I'd be like, this is probably a loss. But you know, when you look at it across the across the uh, across the box here, home field advantage. I think we've got the better head coach. I think we've got the uh, obviously the better quarterback. I feel like their edge might have a little bit of an edge on us with Maka, depending on where he lines up and plays. And I feel like they might have a slightly better offensive line. But I do think the Packers pull it out. I think it's going to be very very close game. Um, if I'm betting that game, I, as a point spread sits right there. I would probably take Dallas in the points, but I think the Packers are going to win the game overall. So, um, all right, up next, week 11, Thursday, November 17th, we got our first Amazon Prime appearance for the Packers. there are with uh, Kurt street and uh, Al Michaels calling the game. I'm, I'm hmm. excited about hearing Kurt call that game, but it's 8-15 kickoff. Like I said, Thursday night football, point spread. As of right now, has the Packers as four-and-a-half-point favorites, same as the Dallas Cowboys. How do you see it?
0: Yeah. Uh, If you watch the live stream, then you understand that. I used to live in Nashville for a while. I've seen Titans fans or quote unquote, the lack thereof. Uh, I, I, I just, I've never been impressed by the Titans, but again, for some reason we talked about it a little bit, the, the Packers always have that one or two games where you just don't see them. You don't see it coming. And then you get one of those random blindsided losses. Again, I feel like that this might be a loss and it would be, heartbreaking because that it means it's two home losses in a row to two teams that we feel like we should be able to beat. And it's again, it's a primetime game. Like you said, herb street, that that's awesome. Um, I just, again, I don't see, this is again, my most likely scenario. So it's kind of the middle between my, we're knocking it out of the park and our worst case scenario. So I just, I'm being very, very generous. I don't want this to happen again, but I just might get another loss there at the Titans, in my opinion. Gotcha.
2: I've got it as a win um, across the board. I feel like the Titans might have the better line, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a uh, a win there um, over the Titans. So up next, we've got week 12, November 27th. This is at the Philadelphia Eagles. So we got back-to-back primetime games. This is going to be on NBC Sunday Night Football at the Philadelphia Eagles. The point spread says, as of right now, it's sitting at zero. So there is no point spread as it sits right now.
0: How do you think they match up against the eagles yeah i mean the eagles are like a sneaky team which you can't really put your finger on i think wasn't it i think ryan even highlighted that um with the sis stuff that like jalen hurts was one of the most accurate deep ball guys i think that he just doesn't do it that much or something like that maybe i'm wrong but you know they added some some interesting guys on their defense jordan davis nicovi dean you know that could bolster that a little bit they, they didn't rank Poorly last year for how, you know, they were middle of the road type, you know, nine and eight last year. So they're not, weren't that impressive. I see us taking a win there. Um, but I think it could be a little bit more hard fought than we'd like it to be. And Philly, I think (laughs) Philly, anytime you play at Philly, you got to be careful. One, because I think it's the only sports stadium that has a jail in their stadium, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think they booed that old lady. Do you remember that? Remember that lady was like 104 years old and they were booing her like at halftime or something. They're just ruthless. So you always got to be watch your back there.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I've got it as a win, but I, I this is one of the closer games that I see here as far as matching up. Um, you know, again, if it was at Lambeau, I'd feel a lot better, but being on the road in Philly, it's going to be close, but I've got the Packers winning that game. Um, up next, we go to the Chicago bears this Win, when, yeah, December 4th,
0: next. No, <laughs> over
2: this one, don't you think that's <laughs> a one o'clock kickoff off on Fox. Um, the point spread as it sits right now is, uh, the Packers are four point favorites. I'm calling when you saying, when you want to just move. Yeah. Right, dude,
0: move dude it's, it's December, December 4th, <laughs> noon game. Win.
2: Just yeah. Completely agree. <laughs> <angry. laughs> so in week 14, we've got the bye week where we will all be depressed that week. I'm sure I
0: hate bye weeks. I I'm- do too. That but can we come? That's the late. I don't know if maybe you're the history guy. That's in my opinion, isn't that the latest bye week that we possibly have ever had? 14.
2: I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I did hear Matt LaFleur, if I remember correctly, the other day in an interview, it might have been with Rich Eisen. I think they requested it. Actually.
0: They requested it.
2: Yeah, they were they were they were looking to have a late buy.
0: So I mean I, it would make sense if you plan on having a playoff push, I guess, but I mean because I, really, I can't imagine in a sixteen or a seventeen game, whatever it is, what it used to be, if week fourteen buy would be extremely late, right?
2: Yeah, I would think so too, man. But uh again, I maybe I drummed that up in my head. I think Coach LaFleur said that
0: i could see that i mean looking
2: forward to but he's one of those guys too that always spins stuff positive which i love it about he won't allow excuses it's just he, right. i think he said it with covid and all the restrictions he said embrace the suck i love yep it. like embrace the suck keep it moving but uh week 15 this is a big one for me this is monday night football the la rams come to town gonna be a simulcast on espn abc got my tickets uh ordered yesterday uh you did yeah, Christy over at Packer Fan Tours, or I'm sorry, Event USA. She is awesome if you ever need to get a ticket package. But uh, anyway, we're going up there for that. We got the indoor club seat so I don't freeze my southern keister off. And <laughs> they're at about 67 degrees, drinking cold beer. It's going to be great. But uh, how do you see that, man? It's the defending Super Bowl champions coming to Lambeau for a primetime game. What do you think?
0: I mean, that yeah, that's going to be amazing. I I didn't know you were going to actually buy tickets. I might have to drive up there then and a little uh, pregame celebrating with you there but uh you know this is unfortunately i i drive there and in my opinion i'd see a loss <laughs> so uh i hope we had fun pregame but again this is just my my mock of the most likely scenario it's just you know they're the super bowl super bowl defending champs they're coming in that we both know a lot about each other in my opinion the the packers are probably we kind of have the Rams number but the law of averages i think comes into effect because if i'm not didn't we beat them the last two times we've placed them or faced them so yeah i uh unfortunately again i'm gonna say i i don't want to say it but a loss there at the rams
2: Gotcha. Well, as it says right now, there is no point spread. So uh, those are the two games Philly and then uh, Philly on the road and then LA Rams at home are the only two games that don't have a point spread. I had this as a win, but I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I'm not as confident as some of the guys on the live stream were the other night, just saying that, you know, the Packers are a better team. Um, When you look at it though, we got home field advantage. I think they have the advantage as far as head coach. Um, I think we've got the advantage for quarterback and edge, but I think they have the Um, Advantage with offensive lines. So that being said, it does uh, it does come out to the Packers winning that game, in my opinion. But I think it could go either way, dude. It's going to be a great game. I'm excited about watching it. So um, up next, we got Week 16. This is Christmas Day on Fox, 1 p.m. kickoff at the Miami Dolphins. Point spread currently sits at uh, the Packers being a one-point favorite. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, Jacob. This is this is the game that it just feels like to me. It's a trap game. I think that Miami's going to win this game. Packers are going to lose this game. Um personally, you know, obviously Miami home field advantage, um that warmer weather down there even late in the season. Um I think we got the advantage with head coach, quarterback. I think they have the edge advantage and the offensive line advantage to the best of my knowledge. So how do you see it, man? Win or loss for the Packers down there in my-
0: yeah well finally you're being a little bit depressing i just realized that like i was being yes. super depressing well what i'm why why it's because i'm giving you my worst case scenario loss record <laughs> i just realized that i'm like i'm losing to everybody and i'm like why why anyway so take that with a grain of salt guys but i have us most likely scenario being 13 and 4 so i'm giving you all my 10 and 7 but even 10 and 7 like that's the worst of the worst of the worst so just pump the brakes don't hate me but (laughs) that dolphin game i actually have us winning and i understand your your hesitation though because that one to me also jumped off the page and it's like you know the dolphins are it's late in the season they might be pushing for more of a a spot than we are at that time of the year you know and they've got tua who (laughs) the deep ball thrower nah Uh, but they do now have tyreek and they've they've done a lot of other things with that team so they could be sneaky good they could be Kind of finding their groove at that point in the season, I have it as a win, even in my worst case scenario. So, like, you know, I, see. I, I we'll see, that
2: makes me feel a little better for sure. So
0: <laughs> week 17,
2: we've got uh, New Year's Day game against the Minnesota Vikings at Lambeau, going to be co cold, cold, cold 425 kickoff. Sun's already going to be setting, it is going to be chilly out there. So, we have the uh, let's see, did I, yeah, no, that's right, yeah. So, we've got a 425 kickoff. The point spread, the Packers are five and a half point favorites as it sits right now. How do you see it?
0: Yeah, that's just that it's just so intriguing. The fact that we have two back to back holidays. Like I personally, I love the fact that we could see or that we will see a game on Christmas Day and then New Year's Day, because that's just like you're you're hanging out, you're with your family. I mean, it's just the conditions are right for some memorable stuff. And then yeah, like that January 1st, I mean, that could be how cool would it be if it was colder than the ice bowl or something? You know what I mean? Like that's perfect timing where it's like you could get a negative 30 type game kind of thing. And I I got us winning that game. Um, Again, it's the end of the year. I love a lot of people I'm sure don't like how the NFL kind of shifted recently to doing, you know, you start your game, your season with two uh, opponents, basically divisional opponents right away. And then you end your season with two divisional opponents. And a lot of time at first I was like, I don't like that. It's just so Seems like you're flipping a coin because anybody could come out, but then the fact that you end with those same, you know, divisional opponents, you have a, a, the ability to kind of really make for some end of the season, just I mean nail biting right. games where it's just fun to watch. And as much as I'll be stressed and probably pacing around like I'm about to have a heart attack, I mean, it, it's going to be great to watch. I got us winning that game,
2: absolutely. I do too. I think it's going to be a dub. I think that the uh, again, having the home field advantage there, I had them dropping the uh. You know, dropping the, the L there to Minnesota in week one only because it was on the. Yep. Um, I think they they get the win here and split that um, that series for the season, and then week week eighteen we've got the Detroit Lions. It says to be determined as far as time and network, but uh, yep. here's uh, our host in Detroit at Lambeau Field. I actually have that as a win as well. I'm sure you do. do you see any any way that Detroit could uh, somehow pull that game off?
0: So again, because this is now, I've, I realize I've read, I've been reading you guys. My worst case scenario, I have this as a loss, and I, I highlighted earlier that it's because I I do think that the Lions are on the rebound. I think they're up and coming, and I think that this is the obviously the last game of the season. We're pumping the brakes. We're maybe even resting, dudes. Uh, we've already made the playoffs. We're clinching the lions are coming in and they maybe are fighting tooth and nail for a wild card spot. And so that's where I think that maybe we basically kind of give them a a pass to take the victory. You know what I mean? So that's, that's my scenario with the worst case scenario, but in all honesty, I think we win that game. But again, I'm giving you apparently the most depressing uh, (laughs) side of this (laughs) Packers next season ever. So,
2: so let's do it this way. As we wrap up here, we're going to be real quick. My overall record, I have the Packers going 13 and four. The thing that stands out to me the most Mm -hmm. point spread is there was only two games that the Packers were technically underdogs. Obviously, you got the LA Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles, we don't know about yet, but only two games under. So I feel like I'm being really, really reasonable, really realistic here, right? With the Packers going 13 and four. I think it's going to be a great season if indeed Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. Um, What is your most likely uh, scenario? as far as uh record
0: yeah so i don't wanna i will say this first my worst case again was 10 and seven and then my best case scenario is 15 and two and agreeing with you i will say the most likely is 13 and four four and two in the division
2: 15 and two man if they go 15 and two i'm gonna be doing cartwheels dude.
0: yeah and again i think i have them losing to the titans and Bucks. i believe in that scenario yeah so good stuff man hey Just random Dude. The random game that we shouldn't lose i think we'll lose that's just how the packers are I don't know.
2: yeah i completely agree man so again my losses were at minnesota at tampa bay and i already flopped on the tampa bay one the other night i first glance kind of felt like the packers would beat tampa i've kind of went back on that now after digging a little deeper so my losses are at minnesota at tampa bay at buffalo and uh at miami so basically going undefeated at home Um, is kind of how I'm seeing it. That would be great if that's the case. Again, if we come out with 12 wins, I'm going to be extremely happy. As long as we make the playoffs, that's always the ultimate goal. Just want to get into the tournament, see if we can get hot and go get a Super Bowl. But uh, 13-4, to I think, is very realistic. Jacob, dude, appreciate your time, man. This is always a blast. Yes, sir. See you soon. Again, special thank you to Jacob for taking the time to break down the schedule with us, guys. Gals, thank you all for tuning in today and and checking out the history segment. Hopefully you enjoyed that little history of the city of Green Bay and the surrounding area. And obviously, man, looking at the schedule, 13 wins, I would be ecstatic. But again, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we will be back on Tuesday with another episode. And uh, if you guys have any any information, any questions between now and then, hit me up on Twitter. I believe on Tuesday we're actually going to answer a question or two from Twitter. So if you've got one, DM me on there. Don't tag me in a tweet. DM me. It's a little bit easier for me to keep them organized that way. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll hop on there Tuesday, chat some, uh, some Packers football, hopefully have you another history segment and dive into something fun. But, um, as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And Go Pack Go!